Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Monday afternoon, new week. Sports Talk Mississippi, glad to have you along. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippey. We are set for the Super Bowl, and now we wait. Two weeks, 13 days until we get to uh, we get to the Super Bowl, but pretty cool day of uh, conference championship games yesterday. We're glad to have you along. C Spire text line is open, 601-879-4395, 601-879-4395. Four three nine five. You can jump on the C Spire text line, and don't forget that this winter you can skip the waiting room and beat cold and flu season faster with C Spire Health. Just download the app and schedule a visit to connect with a trusted UMMC clinician right from your phone. Learn more at cspirehealth.com. Borky, what's up? Yeah, a little sad that we only have one football game left for the year. Oh, but then the XFL starts. The week after the Super Bowl, it's the XFL. Is is that exciting though? Well, I, you just yeah, say you I know I know Super, what I said. One and football I, game left for the year. There's more than that. It's a new thing. You see, uh, the Battlehawks will have both former Ole Miss and Mississippi State quarterbacks on the same team. The Battlehawks would be the St. Louis franchise of the XFL. Jordan Ta'amu and Nick Fitzgerald being I, signed over the weekend. And I believe Devontae Kincaid was either given a tryout this week of some kind. Who? The former Ole Miss quarterback that transferred to Grambling. Oh yeah, yeah. I think there was a picture him. of him with a Battlehawks practice uniform on. There so. you go. Hey, Dad, how was your weekend? It was great. It was great. You saw a nice. dominant performance by a Mississippi State basketball team on Saturday night. That I did. A very surprisingly dominant performance uh, by by the uh, maroon and white version of the Bulldogs. Yeah, uh, Reggie Perry's good at basketball. And that's why he was named SEC Player of the Week today. Ah, there you go. We will get into that a little bit later this afternoon. Hello, Rippy. What's up? Are you in mourning today? Ah, uh, no. It was a pretty good run. I, that was going to be a tough one regardless, and I don't know. felt like the game really turned after halftime, but pretty solid run. Titans jumped out to a 10-0 lead. Chiefs led 21-17 at the half. Scoreless third quarter. Titans made it interesting late. Um, if you were looking at lines in the game, so I guess the Chiefs, did they end up covering? What was the number? They did. It was seven. It was seven. So they covered in that one, and the 49ers covered easily against the Packers. So but we, we kind of split those the other day when we made our picks on Friday, right? I, I took the Chiefs, but then I took the Packers to cover, so That's I was right. one and one. <clears throat> hey, Dad, did you get both right, Hey, Dad? I took the Chiefs and I took the Niners, so yeah. There you go. Two and zero for you. I think Rippy, were you one and one or zero and two? I went Niners Titans. Okay, so you were one and one, and Borky, you were there as well. Okay, nice job, hey dad. 
There we go. Did you make the that quick run to Philly in the sports book at Timeout Lounge so that you could capitalize? You you've had a little run where you've been pretty good making picks, but I don't feel like there's been any uh, any uh, ability to collect on the back end. You know, sometimes pride is just going to have to be enough, I guess. No, because I, I didn't make it down to Philadelphia. Okay. <laughs> Kicking yourself every step of the way, dog. Oh no, man. Cause... Could have done that. That's how it. Uh, that's how it works sometimes. So you had Super Bowl stuff. You had basketball this weekend. Uh, Ole Miss against LSU. It was also uh, a relatively big recruiting weekend. I think uh, some action on the Ole Miss front. A little bit of action on the Mississippi State front. And you got coaches on the road all over the place trying to get ready for the first Wednesday in February. Do you guys miss National Signing Day? Like the the real big everybody focuses on February fourth, February fifth, February second. You know what, whatever day that first Wednesday falls on, it was like a national holiday. It doesn't feel like that anymore. It was kind of like the NCAA tournament in that it happened during a work day, and you were not working at all. You just had your computer up, you know, flipping through Twitter or watching games. It was kind of like that, right? Where when you got to the office at eight a.m. You had a, a list of guys that were going to have your school's hat on their table. Yeah. And you were scrolling and, and watching their commitment ceremonies and stuff. And no, it's just kind of lame now. Yeah. You get some of that in December. A little bit of now. it. And you get some of it in February, too. There's some high profile guys that haven't decided yet. Just the split makes it less fun. Rippy, do you like it this way or the old way? I guess, the, I mean, the old way, there was really only one day where you had to kind of monitor it, and now it seems like there are two of them, though the luster, as you mentioned, has been taken off the second one, so I don't really have a strong feeling about it either way, but I guess one day versus two would probably be more favorable, uh, in my opinion. Hey, Dad, were you were you national holiday for signing day in years gone by, or just kind of, yeah, whatever? Uh, you know, I always had to pay attention to it, you know, doing this job, and then, of course, doing the uh, the job I had before this, and... But that said, you know, the early signing day, I'm a fan of whatever makes it easier for the athletes. And I think that allowing them that, that opportunity to go early if they want to get it over with and, and put their mind at rest. And in some cases, a lot of them are, are, you know, getting into school, you know, even earlier with some bowl practices. So, yeah, I, I like the, the second signing day. I'd almost like to see it pushed up farther, like where, where it's not in that weird window of teams are trying to get ready for state championship games and you're trying to figure out whether a coach is going to get fired or not, and bowl practices are going on, I'd almost rather push it back to like the first week of August. So if you are a senior going into your senior year and you have a scholarship offer, you can sign it right now. You can sign your national letter of intent, and then you can focus on your last year of high school football. And schools have either got to be really certain about their evaluations or they've got to not offer offer not as many scholarships or, or be willing to say to guys, we're not ready to take your commitment yet. We need to see you play. Am I crazy for thinking that that might be an okay way to look at it? As long as you let them out of their LOIs if the coach leaves. Yeah, because you would have a ton of, of – But that's already in place. It is, but at the same time, like – Outside of like you know, think about uh, Moorhead, right? Obviously, his was was after that signing day. But for the most part, when coaches are getting fired, they're getting fired right after the season. So you have a few weeks there, where like with Ole Miss, and it's a few days. Where you, you, 
well, a few days, whatever it is, where you've got time to sort of, you know, reassess. Whereas with this, you know, this would be, you know, you could possibly have a few hundred kids who are in need of their letter of intent being released because the coach left. Uh, the life and times of Freddie Roach, Rippy. So it looked like Freddie Roach was headed to the New York football giants. And you had, like, big locked-in NFL reporters that were going with that story. And then you got the announcement that Freddie Roach was not only returning to Ole Miss, but was going to get the recruiting coordinator title. And then it appears as if, I don't know if I've seen an official announcement yet, Freddie Roach is going to be on Nick Saban's staff at Alabama. Yeah, I mean the man. Uh, the man has options, which I guess is always a great place to be in from a personal standpoint. But yeah, this was quite surprising, I think, to everyone involved. Because I mean, they announced the staff on Saturday at the basketball game, and they all walked out and threw the T-shirts and all the, all that. And then you know, a day later, it appears that this is pretty much a done deal. So yeah, a, uh, I don't know if you can call him a man on the move because he hasn't gone anywhere yet. But certainly, certainly a ton of options. Wonder if he was able to like negotiate two or three raises over the course of three or four days without ever having to leave an actual house. Maybe he's got one more spot coming up. Maybe this isn't the final play he's making. Maybe he ends up at Georgia. Who knows? Back to New York. Yeah, back. Yeah, maybe it's just a flat circle. He ends up back with the Giants all along. The uh, the New York Giants have had a change of heart. So we'll uh, we'll see how that goes. Um, we'll get into these coaching staffs. Uh, it appears or appeared. As if Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin were done, but now there is a spot to fill in the coaching staff for Ole Miss, if indeed. Is that official? I mean, do we have to say if indeed that does happen, or can we say now that he's gone? I don't think it is official yet, but I mean, it appears to be imminent. Okay. Well, assuming Freddie Roach leaves Ole Miss and goes back to his alma mater to be on Nick Saban's staff, then there's still one spot to be filled on the Ole Miss coaching staff. Hey, Dad, how many spots at this point still have to be filled at Mississippi State? Officially or unofficially? Unofficially, all of them. Or I guess I should say officially all of them. They have not made any kind of releases as far as the actual on-the-field coaching staff. But that said... Wait, hold on a second, Hold on a second. Yeah. I see pictures all over the place of Steve Spurrier Jr. in cowboy boots and blue jeans and a Mississippi State golf shirt on the road recruiting. But officially, he has not been announced. Oh, okay. Officially, okay, but those, unofficially, those most of the offensive staff is done. Okay, uh, you mentioned Spurrier Jr., Dave Nickel, uh, Mason Miller, and Eric—I believe his last name is pronounced Malay—are all uh, on the recruiting trail right now for Mississippi State. Gotcha, gotcha. Sports Talk Mississippi just getting started on this Monday afternoon. A ton to get to, a ton to get to. How about we get into some basketball from the weekend? Sports Talk Mississippi. Sit tight. So I was scrolling through the Twitters, and I came across this tweet. I guess it's been making its way around. It has uh, 64,000 retweets and 293,000 likes. This young lady tweets, Woke up to a text from my mom about how a wild elephant went into a Sri Lankan hotel and gently wandered around while poking stuff with his trunk. There's video, 5 million views of this elephant just wandering around in a hotel in Sri Lanka. Can you imagine waking up to that? 
Hey, Dad, next uh, next road game you're covering for Mississippi State, I don't know, let's just say you're in Fayetteville. You're staying at a day's in out on the highway, and you wake up to an elephant easing down the hallway. Good morning. Yeah, good morning. So that, that video gets 5 million views, but my video of me walking shirtless through the hotel gets taken down as inappropriate content. I don't get it. Wait, when did you walk short shirtless through a hotel? Oh, my God. I, I'm just going to have to start like, this is a joke, and then I'll tell the joke. I guess I, 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 can't just, I can't just rely on you to get the humor. No, I just was... I don't ever walk around shirtless. I get the That's humor. The, I get the humor. I was just hoping that there was an actual story that went along with it. No, it was a joke. I made a joke about me being fat and being similar to an elephant. Yes! Yes, I get, no, I get that part. I'm connecting the dots. It's not that your humor was lost on me. I was just hoping that outside the normal of, no, Hey Dad doesn't ever take his shirt off in public, that there was a story where there was actually this one time where... I I may have been on my way to the pool and had, you know, shirt on, but yeah, still. You know, I got up to go to the restroom in the middle of the night and went out in the hallway instead. I didn't have a shirt on. You know, one of those. No. None of those things have happened, no. It's a one-liner and I was going to move on, but... Yeah. Now we've turned it into half a segment. Turned it into a thing. Uh, it was a thing in Starkville Saturday night where Mississippi State won against Georgia 91-59. to Bulldogs over the last two games are winning by 30. And, you know, give or take. Missouri, yeah. middle of the week. Georgia on the weekend. Monster night once again for Reggie Perry. 9 of 13 shooting. That's not bad. Four of six from the line, 22 points, 12 boards, six assists, two steals, no turnovers. That's going to lead to Mississippi State wins if he continues to do that. Yeah, I mean, it's really no coincidence. Their best offensive game of the season pretty much uh, coincided with the way they ran their offense, which was Perry was down on the low block, taking advantage of a lot of mismatches. Georgia liked to switch, and so he was constantly finding himself in, in mismatches with some of their guards down on the low block. But then when he did have, you know, actual competition down there, he was able to pass it out, like he said, with those six assists. Um, State shot the ball pretty well for the game. I think it was like 61%. But if you break that down a little bit more, you see that they shot 31 of 40. For the game, they shot 61.7%. For the game. But then, like I said, if you go inside the three-point line, they were 31 of 40, 77% inside the three-point line. I mean, that's, that's winning basketball. That's how you win. If you can just constantly, if you can take the ball and get high percentage shots and then make them, you're going to win unless your opponent does something ridiculous from behind the arc. So that's how State's offense needs to run. It needs to run through Perry, let him, you know, he can distribute. But for the most part, when he gets the ball in his hands down there, he's going to score. And I can't help but think, you know, having watching him and watching his body language uh, Saturday night, you know, he know he's smart enough to know that Anthony Edwards was there, a guy everybody thinks is going to be a pretty high draft pick who. You know, I saw some flashes from him, but he didn't have his best game. Yeah. But he knows that scouts are watching that game. And so I can't help but think if he didn't know that that performance had to catch an eyebrow or two uh, from people who may have been tuned in to see what Anthony Edwards was going to do. Who guarded Anthony Edwards from Mississippi State? DJ Stewart and uh, and Nick Weatherspoon, and they did a pretty good job on him, especially Stewart. Stewart, you're not getting much from him as far as scoring goes, and you know they, they once again brought Tyson Carter off the bench, which I, I, I'm going to be surprised if they change that now. Uh, but from a defensive standpoint, he's just really good. A good athlete, long arms, quick. 
he can do a lot of, of good things, and he he did a really solid job on Edwards. So height wise, he's really a non-factor. Yeah, he's what six six, and I think Edwards was six five, probably yeah. giving up fifteen twenty pounds. But the length and the athleticism, I think, are, are what you've got to have when you're you're trying to handle Anthony Edwards. Mm-hmm. And and they did a good job on him. And like I said, they did a good job on everything. This was this was a dominating performance. It really came out of nowhere too. I mean, they jumped out to a quick lead. They never trailed. They just, I'm sorry, they, they they trailed for a couple seconds there in the first half, but they immediately got the lead back. They would go on six, seven, nothing runs, you know, two, three at a time. It, they just they just destroyed them. Hammonds had ten for Georgia, ten for Kamara, uh, Xavier Wheeler, who I told you to watch out for, didn't do much at all. You know, two points in 21 minutes. Edwards had 19. Those were the Georgia double-figure scores. Reggie Perry, 22. I'll give you a stat line again because it's outstanding. 22 points, 12 rebounds. Eight of them on the defensive end, four offensive rebounds. Six assists, two steals, no turnovers in the game. But here's another one, Hayden, that I think is important. Uh, Nick Weatherspoon, 12 points, eight assists, four rebounds, two steals, only two turnovers, and he was 6 of 12 shooting. Now, he didn't make a 3 in the game. Mississippi State didn't shoot it great from behind the arc. Although it was a pretty good night shooting it for uh, Tyson Carter, who also had 18 points and hit four threes. Um, that's a that's a winning stat line for Nick Weatherspoon. Absolutely. 8 turn eight to 2 turn, assist to turnover is huge for him. And again, Some would call that 4 to 1. You do it how you yeah. want to. Yeah, I mean, I'm just looking at the actual stat line. Uh, but again, defensively, he was very good. He's got a sixteen to four turnover ratio. <laughs> Do a little math; it's not going to hurt anybody. Um, and then another another stat line to point out is Robert Woodard, who is just such a consistent shooter for MSU this year. Uh, seven of nine from the field, seventeen point seven boards for him. I mean, they they just played. It was just a good team game. They didn't. They, there's not anybody on the on the on the roster there that they they counted on for minutes in this game that didn't give them something. Even Molinar hit a you know a few uh, key baskets here and there, played well when he was on the floor. It just it was just a good game all in all and, and that's the kind of game if they play like that every night at, at night yeah. in and night out, they can win a lot more games and get right back into the tournament picture. All right, I wasn't able to watch it. I was traveling home from College Station. Right. Woodard goes 7 of 9. How many of those 7 makes were 12 to 15 foot baseline jumpers? <laughs> about four of them. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Including one. He had one. I actually said something about after the game because I was even I was impressed. He had a turnaround fadeaway. Uh, I mean, as it left his hand, I was like, "There's no way." And then it, it it hit the net, and I was just like, "Wow." I mean, that was that was a tough shot. But yeah, he 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 was quite good in that mid range game, which he's been all year. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So Reggie Perry, SEC Player of the Week. That is um, that's a good thing. And yeah. he just went back to he has double doubles in both the midweek game and and this one as well played really really well. Was Ben Howland asked about his um, his twenty five thousand dollar fine post game? No, he wasn't. Uh, I, you know, and that slipped my mind in the dominant performance. Uh, we talked to Ben Howland tomorrow. I'll see if we can't get that brought up. But uh, oh, that was I the perfect it... time, Coach. I know you're in a good mood. You get a thirty point win, so I don't mean to rain on your parade. But um, twenty five thousand yeah. dollar fine, twenty five G's, yeah. I um, I talked with another coach in the SEC over the weekend. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can narrow it down if you want to, whatever. And they're like, "Wait, what did Howland get fined for?" Oh no, no, he goes, "Wait, did 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 I miss something yesterday? Did Ben Howland get fined?" I said, 
He did. $25,000. said, for what? I said, well, apparently it wasn't for complaining about officiating. He talked to the SEC about the officials. He was complaining to them about them, and then talked to the media about his conversation with the league office, which apparently, according to some bylaw, blank, dot, blank, dot, blank, is against the rules. And the other coach goes, that's ridiculous. I I did point out something that Borky said on Friday. I said, it's funny, we were talking about this on the radio show this afternoon, and one of our guys was like, yeah, well, he's got a lot of money, it's no big deal. And he looked at me like I had three heads. He goes, no big deal. He said, that's having to write a check. It's, it, it's not something that is automatically deducted. You have to personally write a check for $25,000 and put it in an envelope and mail it to the SEC office. He says, that is a hard check to write. Especially, you would think, it's one thing if you're complaining about the officiating, you're like, you know what, I'm going to get fined, but I want to get my point across. He was just relaying information where the conference office had admitted they made a mistake. Yeah. My guess is this is just like a, a cross-wires thing that he didn't know he couldn't oh, say. Oh, no, come on now. He knew what he was he, doing. Well, then why would he do it then? I don't know. I mean, I don't see the point you're trying to get across at that, at that point. It's not like in the heat of the moment after the game. Yeah. I guess if you ask him at this point, he goes, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm not saying not one word yeah. about that. Sports Talk Mississippi, we will turn our attention to Oxford. Ole Miss at home against LSU on Saturday night when we come back. I'm going to ask you guys on Friday if you're going to watch McGregor and Cowboy Cerrone go to each other. If you did, I hope you didn't blink. hope you weren't coming back from the refrigerator or the restroom you know, and just missed the start of the fight. 40 seconds for the knockout. 40 seconds. It started with a shoulder. Have you not seen the, the fight I, video? I have not seen. I've, I've read about it. I've not seen the actual video. So they got tied up. I mean, right out of the, the jump. Okay. They got tied up. And McGregor has him, and he's throwing his left shoulder into his face and got a couple of his shoulder right on the nose. Oh. And that that's what started everything. And he was able and to knock him out after I believe. Say that again? I, I believe it broke his nose, like, immediately. Yeah. Mm, a shoulder. I mean, have you ever heard of that before? No, that's a pretty good move, though, if you can pull it off. Yeah. I'm assuming that's legal. Oh, yeah. I mean, you can grab the guy by the back of the head and bang his face into your knee as, until he falls limp to the ground. So Yeah, no, I understand that. <laughs> I understand. But I, think, I Go ahead. I was just going to say, I didn't know, like, I've watched probably 15, 20 UFC fights while and the only person I've ever seen break the few rules that they have is Greg Hardy. Yeah, go figure. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good point. What rules did he break, Rippy? I, I don't know, but I remember, I just remember watching the fight. It was like his big time debut. It was like the first time he was on the main circuit. And a bunch, like a couple of my friends and I watched it. Of course, we don't know anything about anything. You're just kind of rooting for violence. And he, uh, he hit him and knocked the guy out or whatever, and we were all going nuts thinking he'd won. And then, of course, you hear the announcers talk about what a disgrace to the sport it was and stuff like that. And I go, apparently that's not legal. I don't know what it was. I don't remember what it was. Since you started talking, I've been watching the fight. I'm now 38 seconds in. Should we're be almost over. done then. Well, I thought so. This must be a different fight. I thought it was 
Got to be. Oh it was no, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, they're showing they're showing a replay of McGregor Alvarez. I was like, what? What's it? It's all we're doing is swatting hands. What are yeah. we doing here? I wonder. I know there's undercards. I, I know. I had a uh, well, actually, guy on yesterday's show uh, reminding me that there were undercards. I knew that, but you pay sixty-five dollars to watch this fight. That's why you're watching it. You're not paying that money to watch the undercards. Do you really enjoy that it only lasts forty seconds? I mean, it's like the Party. Super Bowl ending after after a quarter. Hardy need a guy in the head while he was on the ground. Apparently can't do that. Okay. There you go. Um let's see. It was like a dollar thirty a second. Yeah. <laughs> For and everybody's going crazy, so I guess I, I don't know what I'm talking about, but I kept thinking people loved that. And you spent sixty five dollars on that. Like you could could have just waited ten minutes and seen the entire thing on Twitter at that rate. Yeah. So uh, that happened late Saturday night. A little bit earlier Saturday night, you had Ole Miss and LSU in Oxford. And based on recent results, you might have thought, run away for LSU. That turned out not to be the case at all. LSU was a four, four-and-a-half-point favorite going in, which should tell you something because usually the boys in the desert aren't that far off. Turns out to be a four-point ball game. Um, Rippy, there was a point in the second half I was kind of listening slash watching on my way home where it looked like LSU was about to run Ole Miss out of the gym. And then they didn't. And Ole Miss came all the way back. They went on, I think, a 15-2 or 15-3 run and took the lead. And then it was just kind of a fight all the way to the end. Yeah, essentially. Ole Miss was got down 9 not midway through the second half. I guess it was about mid. I guess about twelve minutes left. It really did look like LSU was about to run away with it. Ole Miss seemed fairly flat, as I pointed out on the internet, which people did not enjoy because they, to their credit, they didn't turn it around after that, and the place kind of got, came alive a little bit. They went on a fifteen-three run, but then you had a four and a half minute roughly scoring drought after they got a three-point lead, and that really like a lot of games this year, proved to be their downfall. They just don't really have very many shot makers behind Tyree. And then it was weird, Ole Miss, kind of a microcosm of the team not being able to put everything together in a game this season. They came into the game leading the SEC in free throw percentage and went 9 for 19. Tyree was 9 for 9, and the rest of the team combined was 0 uh, for 10. So not another player on the roster actually made a free throw in this game. How does that happen? Do you want the sarcastic answer or the real one? Uh, just take your pick. But I want, uh, you know, I, I want the real one eventually. There's it's just it, I don't know if there I don't know if there really is a real answer. I mean, it's it's like both. I think Kermit Davis and Bree and Tyree both called it surprising, and you know, I mean, you can't really account or plan for that. I don't really I don't really know how that happens. It just kind of sums up some of the things this team has dealt with all season. But, you know, free throw numbers aside, they got killed on the glass. And, again, they just they don't have anyone that can consistently score behind Tyree, particularly when you need guys to kind of create their own shots down the stretch when 
you're having to score in half court offense possessions get tighter and you're not being able to you know create as much in transition stuff and they don't really have that you know Devonte sure looked like he might be for the first five games or so and has really teetered off since that's probably what this team misses most is is him playing well but really outside of that they don't have it either and they don't protect the rim very well you know it's either a, and that was huge in this game it's a little disingenuous sometimes when you go well a team lost by four they missed 10 free throws if you make half the ones you miss then you win the game well, that really was kind of the case here, though, in it, this instance. Well, no, I, I don't disagree with that. But time and score factors into how a game is played down the stretch. And so you don't necessarily know that it changes the outcome. But I will say this. When you look at guys who missed free throws, Hadim C was 0-for-1 at the line. Okay, that's not really surprising. Hey, it, One attempt, you missed it, big guy. Fair enough. K.J. Buffin goes 0-for-4. Come on. You can make two of those. Devontae Shuler, a guard, goes 0-for-3. Worst-case scenario, I ought to make two of those three. All right, that's four points. Now you're tied. The other two misses, Austin Crowley, 0-for-2. It's a guard, man. Come on. Go make two free throws. But worst-case scenario, make one of the two. There's five points. There's your difference in the ball game. It's the difference in being nine and eight and zero and four, versus being ten and seven and one and three. And just humor me for a second. Beyond the fact that obviously it's one game difference or a two game swing in the records in terms of wins and losses, couldn't that one have felt like a really big deal for this Ole Miss team, Rippy? Sure, I I don't think. I, I hesitated from using the turn last stand, but I mean, what they have coming up, it, it could really, really get tough. I mean, you have road trips at Tennessee and Georgia, you know, this coming week. Things aren't really getting easier, and you know, not that they had an easy start to the SEC schedule, but you kind of felt like Texas A&M to open the slate would be a little bit of a gimme. You know, Arkansas has been pretty good, but that's a you know a winnable game at home. You know, Florida, I guess you can't really hold it against them given what they didn't have out on the court. And then, yeah, this one now it's tough. You fall to 0-4 because, I mean, even after the two road trips next week, you have Auburn at home and then a return trip to Baton Rouge. So, I mean, 0-8 is certainly in the cards here. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I don't know where you pick off a win unless you can steal one at Georgia. But yeah, but or, it's or weird. possibly at Tennessee because Tennessee's a drastically different team than they were with Lamonte Turner. Uh, Jordan Bowden has not played a well as well since him, but it's in Knoxville, and yeah, I know it's the middle of the week, but they're going to have fourteen, fifteen thousand people there. It'll be a tough environment, and you got it's hard to win on the road, and so you got to go pick one off on the road. Whereas if you had gotten that win against LSU, you're feeling a little bit better about yourself. If you happen to go pick one off on the road, then okay, now you're to two. Then you look at Georgia. And I think Georgia, like most teams, is better at home than they are on the road. But they just got beat by 30 in Starkville on Saturday night. So let's not like pretend like Georgia is an unbeatable team. But I think no. looking at that slate ahead when you're sitting there at 1-3 and three versus sitting there at 0-4 and, and looking at that slate ahead is just a – I mean, it's a completely different mindset. Sure, and then I mean you could also they could very well. I mean they have the only game they've really been blown out in is the game where they were missing 
Tyree and C down at Florida, it didn't really stand much of a chance. They kept it close for a little bit because Florida's Hibson good and too. Made jump shots early on in the game, but yeah, I mean they could very easily be three and one. I mean if they were able to close out the two games at home, they led late in both of those games, and then really just kind of had an inexplicably bad stretch in the second half against Texas A and M. That's not making excuses for them. It's just the margin for error is very thin, and they haven't done enough things to put away games. Hey, Dad, you know, you, you flip that around for Mississippi State as well. They could very easily be 3-2 and two instead of 2-3 and three right now, and having won three in a row if Skyler Mays doesn't get a buzzer beater to fall in Baton Rouge last Saturday night. It's, it's, it's always interesting to look at how one shot, one play can change the entire perception of, of everything about a team. And you're right, if State was 3-2 and two right now, I think we would all be saying, okay, well, they're on their way. But as it is, we're all saying they need to beat Arkansas on Wednesday. You know, Jimmy Dykes was on the uh, the broadcast in Oxford on Saturday night, and he pointed something out, and I hadn't really thought about this, but it's true. said, since the start of SEC play last year, LSU has won every single close game that they've been in. When there was a close game where they needed a play, they got it. They got it a week ago Saturday in Baton Rouge from Skylar Mays. They got it this past Saturday in Oxford with a four-point win over Ole Miss. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. Streaming online at supertalk.fm. Glad to have you along for the ride on this Monday afternoon. Question from Jason. Hey, Dad, I think this will be right up your alley. So, is this state's team now, or is it who they were before these last two games? Missouri is hapless. UGA isn't. How much do we make of these games? Turnovers have been a constant problem under Howland. If that's fixed, maybe we have something? I think it's going to be sort of a Jekyll and Hyde thing all year. I mean, I don't know. Until I see you know five or six games of, of the same team showing up, I don't know which team is going to show up. So, you know, if the team that showed up Saturday night is the one that you get to see, then, yeah, this team can go into the NCAA tournament and could go into the second weekend. That's the kind of talent they have, and that's the way they're capable of playing. But if the team you saw in the first three games shows up, well, they're not going to beat hardly anybody they play. So I don't really know what this team is, and I don't know if they can just flip a switch from from good to bad, but we're going to find out uh, in the coming weeks. You know, These next two games are you know good opportunities for them. Arkansas is a good – that would be a good win. That will jump them up in the net rankings. They're at 57 now. They beat Arkansas. They're probably solidly in the 40s, and then it becomes a you know question of how can you maintain that and just sort of you know keep creeping up as the year goes on. But I don't know which which Mississippi State team is which right now. I need to see some more uh, some more evidence either way. Have the fans seen enough in the last two games to show up and make a difference on Wednesday night? I mean, it's gonna be tough because you know six o'clock tip on a, on a weekday is never conducive to a a big crowd at home, but. The, the, the short answer is probably no. I mean, I, probably not, if I had to guess. I don't expect a big crowd at the hump on uh, on Wednesday. But if they can win that game and uh, and then they go on the road uh, Saturday against Oklahoma and maybe pull out another win there, then I think you, th- at that point you start talking about being, maybe crowds starting to come back a little bit. But I, I don't expect a huge crowd on, on, on Wednesday by any means. Yeah, that's disappointing, though, because that's one of those where you look at, you go, Arkansas's a good team, right? They, they lose at home to Kentucky. Uh, they had the close loss at LSU, and they've got a road loss to Western Kentucky way back at the beginning, or well, you know, back around Christmas. So only three losses on the year, and they're good, 
but I think I think they're gettable also. I mean, Ole Miss almost beat them in Oxford a week ago Saturday. They had all the momentum in the world against Kentucky after Cal got run in that game this past Saturday. But then they couldn't hold it. I mean, Kentucky made some big shots. Arkansas went ice cold from deep at the end of the ball game. That just feels like a game that you could get. And having a legit home court advantage, remembering, how many times have I said it? Remembering what Humphrey Coliseum can sound like and how it can be intimidating for a visiting team, man, you'd love to have that on Wednesday. And Ben Howland made mention of it on uh, in his press conference post game that he'd like to have a packed house. But just just for me, as a guy who you know has seen the attendance over the past decade, basically, uh, I, I have trouble seeing it. Uh, but we'll see. You know, I, I could end up being wrong. You know, there, there's all, the thing I always say is there's enough MSU fans within an hour's drive of Starkville in the yeah. you know Starkville, Columbus, West Point, and Tupelo areas that they could fill up the arena. You know. Re- pretty decently, if they would make that, if they would make the commitment to come, uh, but for, you know they haven't made that commitment yet, and, and we'll see if, the, if this turn, this this little two game turnaround is enough to spark that interest. Arkansas thirty two in the net, so that could be a big big win for Mississippi State. You look at uh, SEC schools right now and where they are in terms of the net rankings, and it's not nearly as pretty a picture as you would like. You've got uh, Auburn all the way down to twenty. Auburn has fallen like a rock after two straight losses. LSU up to 23 after starting 5-0 in league play. Kentucky 27. They're climbing. Arkansas 32. Florida 39. Alabama 42. How about Alabama? Been a pretty good schedule. Got some wins in league play. Mississippi State 57. Tennessee 64. Georgia 73, Missouri 75, South Carolina inching its way up. That was a good win for South Carolina against uh, against Texas A&M. A&M's not a great team, but they're just scrappy. And they're going to fight and scratch and claw and whatever all the way to the end. So South Carolina moves into the top 100. Then you got Ole Miss, Vanderbilt, and Texas A&M. 113, 143, and 146. So those are the net rankings for SEC teams so far. And for MSU fans, uh, Oklahoma 53rd in the uh, the net rankings on okay. Saturday's game. So. Yeah, that's certainly reasonable. Winners and losers coming up. We'll get to your winners and losers as well. Want your input on the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. C Spire, customer inspired. We'll also get into the NFL, give the Pearl River Resort pick of the day, and then look at some recruiting Some football news, some coaching stuff in the 5 o'clock hour. One hour in the books. Plenty more coming your way on this Monday afternoon at Sports Talk Mississippi. Monday afternoon, Sports Talk Mississippi, 4 o'clock hour. Thanks for joining us. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey. Ceasefire text line is open, 601-879-4395. Love to hear from you if you are out and about on the road. Was uh, I got a message earlier from our buddy John Harris. Said he had landed in New Orleans, was driving from New Orleans to Mobile for the Senior Bowl that's uh, coming up this week. All the NFL 
big wigs go in to uh, watch all those practices and evaluate players and uh, and whatnot. And he was listening to us as he was driving along the Mississippi Gulf Coast toward Mobile. So uh, uh, glad to have him on WOSM down on the Mississippi Gulf Coast. All right. Monday, just after 4 o'clock from the weekend. What did you like? What did you not like? Time for winners and losers. All I do is win, 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 no matter what. I'm a loser, baby. We got winners. We got losers. Americans love a winner and will not tolerate a loser. So from the weekend, it happened on the gridiron, it happened on the hardwood, whatever it is, winners and losers. Who wants to go first? Hey, Dad, you want to lead us off? Sure. Lead us off. Uh, winner or a loser? Kyle Shanahan is my winner for this one. Uh, I think prior to this season, if you had said the words Kyle Shanahan, people would either said that's Mike's son or they would have brought back the, uh, the Falcons Super Bowl. I know that I would have. Uh, but... He has turned that thing around. I mean, this is a team that picked second in the NFL draft last year. They were not good. And now they're going to play for a, you know, what their sixth Super Bowl title as a franchise. I guess John Lynch belongs on this list too because he's done a really good job. I mean, they've taken a team with not a lot of star power. They've taken a lot of guys that, you know, were sort of cast offs from other teams and some, some impact rookies and, you know, a quarterback that, that, you know, that people thought could be the next guy, but they weren't too terribly sure about him because of the Brady Belichick system and the success. And now they're, they're, you know, a step away from, from being world champions. So yeah, I don't think you can't say Kyle Shanahan has done a fantastic job there uh, in San Francisco. Is John Lynch better at his job than John Elway is at his job? I mean, how can you say otherwise? I mean, Elway I mean, does have built- a Super Bowl. In his time as yeah, the but team he, president. And he got Peyton Manning in there, but I mean, I, I'm going to attribute that more to, to that than anything else. I, th- there's a difference between that and building up a franchise. Well, the, but the, the saying, Peyton Manning wasn't years. exactly good in that Super Bowl or that season. Yeah, but, They won a Super Bowl because of that defense. I'm just saying that, that, that look at the two franchises and tell me who's better poised for success right now. Yeah, well, how about Florida. a remarkable turnaround as well? I mean, yeah. They, 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 were, they, they were picked second in the draft last year. Yeah, they lost 12 games last season. Yeah. Yeah. Rippy, how about a winner? I guess NFL fans, I mean, you're probably getting the two best teams in the NFL all year long. I guess maybe not. The Ravens could be included in that. But this Super Bowl felt like the best possible outcome from an entertainment perspective. You going to go? Go to the Super Bowl? No. Yeah. According to uh, the secondary ticket website, Vivid Seats, cheapest ticket, upper level 333, that is not only up top, that is up top and, is it in the corner? Where is it? 333. No, completely right in the middle of the end zone. 4,000. $640. That's on row six of the upper deck. Two tickets available if you're interested. You want to sit lower level? Section 118, 50 yard line down low per ticket. $14,990. 
You bad got to want to go to the Super Bowl to pay that. Bad. Borky, winner from the weekend. The Titans. I know they lost, and I guess maybe we should be talking about the Chiefs today, but when midway through the season they replaced what was thought to be their franchise quarterback with a uh, made-of-glass Miami reject in Ryan Tannehill, and the conversation was maybe they should tank and try to go get one of these elite quarterbacks that are going to be available, tank for Tua in Tennessee, uh, uh fan buddy of mine even was asking me how good Tua was and because he thought the Titans were going to tank for him. Yeah. You put in Tannehill and you become a completely different football team and physically dominate the New England Patriots in Foxborough and then the best running team in the NFL, same thing the week later uh, in Baltimore. Just a really impressive run considering you got in those two games 80 yards per game from your quarterback and just physically were better than the Patriots and the Ravens. It was impressive. It was fun. I know it fell a little bit short, but uh, what a turnaround from benching your quarterback to going to the AFC Championship game and competing well in that as well. Don't the Titans have to do something about quarterback, though? It, it, Tannehill can't be the long-term solution, can he? He's going to get a contract. You think so? Probably franchise tag. Yeah. They were the number one offense in the NFL since he took over, and it wasn't all Derrick Henry. They threw the ball down the field a lot. Yeah, 209 yards passing yesterday, a couple of touchdowns. Their issue yesterday is they ran into the greatest quarterback in the league currently. Which and takes generated me, no pass rush after a quarter. Yeah, yeah, that's that's fair. Which takes me to my winner, Patty Mahomes. 23 of 35, 294 yards, three touchdowns. He was sacked twice in the game and carried it eight times for 53 yards and a touchdown. Is there even a debate at this point as to who the best quarterback is in the NFL, who the best quarterback on the planet is? There shouldn't be, but Marcellus Wiley earlier today apparently was claiming that it was still um, Lamar Jackson. Which well, I thought you were going to say Tom Brady. No, that's my The only other me. one that belongs in the conversation is Russell Wilson. Yeah, but it's Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. The, the combination of arm strength and accuracy and creativity and uh, ability to move in the pocket and beat people with his legs and physically. I mean, he does everything better than any other quarterback in the league. And he's fun. Right? Yeah. Like, you watch Pat Mahomes, and he kind of makes you smile. Because it looks... I mean, it's creative, but it's, like, effortlessly creative. And he's incredibly accurate. You pointed it out, Borky. Big, big, big arm. Kingsbury had some quarterbacks, didn't he? (laughs) Couldn't win with them, though. How can you lose seven games with that guy as your quarterback? That's oh, that's something. It is a uh, a reasonable question. Any other winners for you? I think the McGregor thing is cool, and I read a column after the fight that I thought was a little bit ridiculous. Um, the the premise of the column was don't let McGregor's win tonight distract you from the fact that he's not a good guy, and I kept thinking as I was reading this, oh, you mean the UFC fighter? is not the best-tempered guy in the world? Oh, I can't believe it. I don't know. Uh, The scene around McGregor and uh, the the comeback and what was going on in Vegas afterwards, that's all pretty cool. I mean, he unites a country every time he fights. (laughs) He really does. I mean, the Irish people in the streets of Vegas outside of the arena, that was incredible. And 
I don't care that he's a bad guy because he's a UFC fighter. And I can't believe, I mean, that was in Sports Illustrated on Sunday morning. Yeah. But um, that was a cool scene. I, I know it wasn't from the weekend. It's going all the way back to Monday night. I wish Sports Illustrated wasn't so marginalized because the digital or the online cover that they posted after the national championship game with Joe Burrow on it that said the GOAT, G-E-A-U-X-T, that's really, really good. And all it is is a little thing floating around on Twitter. That's a Sports Illustrated that you buy in years gone by and you keep in the collection. I've got a few hundred in boxes at my dad's house, and I just wonder if I should go through those and see how much I could get for them. Yeah. They're from like 1998 to 2002, basically. Mm. A lot of good stuff, I imagine, on those covers. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. What about some losers? You got any uh, anybody want to pop up with a loser? Uh, Kyrie Irving compared himself for being uh, persecuted for what he says, just like MLK was on MLK Day, no less. That seems less than ideal. Uh, come on. <laughs> Suboptimal, even. Yeah, this, I think this Don't is at a pregame availability. Don't we deal with this with somebody or from somebody every year? Kind of feels like it's usually him. He is a unique athlete. He is a not smart guy. That's the better way to put it, yeah. Your winners and losers, send them to us via text message on the Ceasefire text line, 601-879-4395. What have you got? We'll get to those next. Again, ceasefire text line 601-879-4395. Your winners and losers from the weekend. Are there any other losers that we needed to add to the list before we jump to the text line? Dan Bilzerian. Did you see the bet that he placed on McGregor's opponent on Saturday night? Is that the guy that's famous for being famous and he's got like super like thick beard and he's like yeah his dad's a billionaire but's in prison for some scheme and he just kind of lives off his dad's money and uh, gambles a lot on his dad's money yeah Um, they didn't give an exact dollar amount but there is it's obviously a private room at some Vegas casino because the uh, the the betting counter is behind. Huge, thick metal bars. Looks like a prison wall. And it's an obviously private room with a big metal table. And he is unloading stacks of bills. And it's got to be in the millions that he is laying out in cash on this table. It covers the entire table, at least six feet long. And it's a stack of cash probably six inches high that covers this entire table. And the video still shows him putting more cash to put a bet on McGregor's opponent. I don't, it, they didn't say how much it was, but it's in the millions for sure. So Over he a million dollars. Load of money on Cowboy Cerrone and lost it. In 40 seconds, yeah. I'll send you the video. It's unbelievable. The, the amount of money is, it looks like you got something. got post-fight reaction from your boy? Oh, probably not. I haven't seen any. And he, I mean, he's got so much money. It doesn't matter to him, sadly, thanks to, uh, thanks to his dad. But this video looks like something you see when the police do one of these multinational like drug busts, and oh, they yeah. have yeah. That's what this looks like, and he's about to go put it all in a fight. Um, hey, Ed Rippy, any more losers? Mm. I'll say this about the fight. Like, 
obviously if I fought a UFC guy, I would lose in 30 seconds. But I'd like to think if I was relatively, if I'm fighting someone at the same relative skill level as me, I wouldn't get knocked out in 40 seconds. Like it just seems, it's just tough to believe that these guys train so hard and then 40, they, they take one shot. And it's a great shot. Don't get me wrong. But how, how, how does that happen? I just, I just don't get it sometimes. Yeah. But aren't all bets off once your nose is broken? Yeah. yeah that changes things. I guess, but you know. Think about have you ever broken your nose thing. or got hit in the face where you think that you broke your nose in one way or another? Yeah, I don't think it's ever been actually broken, but yeah, I've had, you know, where you're like, oh, goodness, is my, like, Borky, it will happen eventually. Yeah. One of your kids is going to headbutt <laughs> you in your nose. Hey, Dad, oh, yeah. you've had that happen, haven't you? Absolutely. Like, you bend down to maybe give them a kiss on the head or to pick something up, and that is ex- the exact moment that they throw their head backwards into your nose. And it feels like it's broken. So, yes. And it takes you, what, 15 seconds to, like, see straight again? Yeah, I mean, you, you yeah. get the kind of feeling. Yeah. And could you imagine how long 40 seconds lasts when you've got a guy like Conor McGregor coming at you? I've That's going to feel like an eternity. A second ago, I mean, once he kind of, once Cowboy Cerrone kind of crumpled down against the, the, the fence on the edge of the octagon, it's like, man, call it right then. Because then he's just got to sit there in a ball and get pummeled in the head it doesn't even it doesn't uh, even look like mcgregor's hitting him that hard at that point he's kind of just ending it just yeah. showing that i'm in this position you're not going to fix it call the fight yeah i think i'd rather do the semi-pro fight a bear type of deal at halftime than be in one of those things with mcgregor what do you what was the what was the payout for cowboy has that been public oh yeah they don't put as much stuff out for ufc do they because those guys are salaried Right, and I think the pay-per-view numbers reflect in one way how much they get, I think. Okay. They get a percentage of whatever is brought in. All right, some of your winners and losers. Here they are on the C Spire text line. Loser, Greg and Columbus. You guys may have seen this postgame. Clark Hunt for wearing those awful vomit green earplugs while accepting the Lamar Hunt trophy. It's loud at Arrowhead, but don't be a weenie. Okay. Yeah, man, you can't wear earplugs in your home stadium. Jeff in Grenada. This is from a state fan. He says, winner, Ole Miss getting T-Buck. I went to Rel Buckley as an assistant coach. What's the impact of that, hey, Dad? Oh, I mean, he's a good defensive backs coach. He's a good recruiter. I mean, he's a solid assistant coach. He's not a world beater by any stretch of the imagination. Did that view change over time of him in Mississippi, at Mississippi State? Because I remember when he was first hired, people were most excited. Yeah, I mean, when when he came in, you thought this was a guy who might become like a real impact recruiter, and he's gotten some good recruits through the years. Don't get me wrong, but he hasn't had the same. He hasn't had the kind of impact that his initial hire probably people thought he was going to have. Greg and Nettleton, winner, Coach Mack and the Louisville Cardinals. Chris Mack's done a great job. He says winners, Final Four all the way. They're loaded, loaded guys. Just asked Duke. They went into Cameron and won on Saturday. Um, Let's see here. Jeff says... Don't have a winner there. Trey, the mailman, says winner San Francisco and Kansas City loser me for paying the 75 bucks for the UFC fight that was over before I popped the first beer. 
All right. So, those are some winners and losers from the weekend. Here's a question on the C Spire text line. Have you heard anything about the K.J. Costello transfer to state? I have. I know that we were we were gonna. I know that's on the rundown to talk about a little bit later, but yeah. it appears he is uh, at least going to uh, visit Mississippi State. That he is interested in Mississippi State, and there's some there's obviously mutual interest there. And uh, right now, that you know, I don't know that I would say that State's a favorite because he's got a lot of uh, big programs looking after him. But he is uh, at least going to make the trip to Starkville and, and talk to Mike Leach. Jeff says, I think y'all should change the name of this program to Sports Talk North Mississippi. I mean, I'm sitting in Jackson today, so that's central Mississippi. So I don't think that would be worth I think it would be disingenuous. Jeff wants us to talk more about USM. Okay. I I read his his tweets all the time. Yeah, so... Where do you want to go? Where do you want to go, Jeff? They won. They won this weekend. There we go. Got a got a W W in basketball. Look, I mean, I, I'm not being I, Jeff. I think I texted you the other day. I did. I said candidly, we've not talked about Southern Miss lately because the basketball team has been bad. Going into their game on Saturday, they were four and fourteen in overall and zero and five in league play. Really like the Jay Ladner hire. Think it's going to take some time. Getting a win feels good. It's progress in the right direction. Baseball season's just around the corner. And that that's not a shot at basketball. If you've listened to us for any extended period of time at all, Jeff, you know we talk a ton of Southern Miss baseball. And we will continue to do that. And we'll very soon talk to Scott Berry. Just like we will hopefully talk to Chris Lamonis, hopefully talk to Mike Bianco as we get closer to the uh, to the start of baseball season. So it's all on the horizon. Congratulations on the uh, the win this weekend. And what well, you had the uh, how about the text from Jay Hobson or the tweet from Jay Hobson? So couple of Southern Miss Golden Eagles. Headed to the Super Bowl, right, Borky? Yeah, and we had uh, the the backup quarterback there, who we talked about maybe making a deal for Nick Mullins. Mm-hmm. That that he performed so well in Garoppolo's absence that maybe there'd be a market for him to go somewhere else. That obviously didn't come to fruition. Maybe San Francisco likes him, but I do find that kind of funny. That was a conversation we had because. I mean, we are going to have a draft naturally, but there are a few teams that are looking for quarterbacks. And back then, we were talking about maybe he would be in the market. Now you've got, uh, well, Jacksonville's going to keep Minshew. You've got Bridgewater, potentially Cam Newton, a couple of these guys, Marcus Mariota, and maybe even Nick Mullins, who are guys that have done it in one way or another in the NFL that could be on the market. So if a team doesn't get their quarterback or they don't believe in this draft class, because they probably shouldn't, if we're being honest, it's not a very good crop of quarterbacks. Maybe Chicago takes a flyer on one of these guys, and I think he would Wait, be. Wait, shouldn't that mix. believe in this draft class? I mean, do you really want Jake Fromm as a friend? Do you think that Jacob Eason is a guy that you can build an NFL franchise around? A couple of guys at the top you might not like mind having. Well, well but they're going to be gone. I mean, outs before five. 
Yeah. yeah fair. You'll enough. have Burrow and Tua gone after Miami picks. Also, Tavarius Moore, the uh, defensive back from Southern Miss, on the San Francisco 49ers who are headed to the Super Bowl. We'll talk some more about the uh, Mississippi guys that are playing in the Super Bowl. Got a handful of them. Sports Talk Mississippi rolls on after a quick timeout with you on this Monday afternoon. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi. We will, for a minute, stick with the theme of Southern Miss Athletics. Uh, Let's hit on two or three different things. Number one, big challenge for Jay Hobson. He's got some guys to replace. Buster Faulkner, offensive coordinator, is moving on. He is going to be an offensive analyst at the University of Georgia. Derek Nicholson, co-defensive coordinator, also moving on. He is headed to Louisville. That's tough. And it's tough for a couple of reasons. One, it's January 20th. And, I mean, you've got plenty of time before spring ball rolls around, but you're trying to finish up this secondary signing period. But the challenge that exists for Jay Hobson in retaining coaches and frankly the challenge that exists in hiring coaches at Southern Miss is if somebody decides they want one of your guys then they kind of just are able to go get them because financially it's impossible to compete Borky, you were telling me you were reading an article about budgets in terms of Southern Miss and kind of where they stack up nationally right now. It's hard. Down at the bottom. And to put it in perspective, it's not piling on, it's just the truth. So we've talked about the new TV contract that may very well actually take into effect this year if they get bought out. But Ole Miss and Mississippi State and every member of the SEC is going to get a significant increase in their conference payout. And it might even be more than Southern Miss's athletic budget. Just the increase that Ole Miss and Mississippi State get from the SEC. The conference alignment has hurt Southern Miss so much. Yeah, Uh, It's hard. And they've got to do more with less, more than they ever have before because of it. And hey, Dad, it's why I've always tried to be so incredibly complimentary of the success that they've had. I mean, the job that Scott Berry does with that baseball program, and baseball's a little bit different, but frankly, what Jay Hobson's doing with football, I mean, they're in a bowl game this year. And, I mean, where, where Southern Miss is right now in terms of athletic budget, they're not even on a level playing field with the rest of their conference mates. I mean, n- never mind Ole Miss and Mississippi State. I mean, that, that's a different stratosphere you're sitting in conference usa and there's a pretty dramatic difference between the budget at old dominion and southern miss it's just hard 
Yeah. Which means you've got to hire good people. You've got to hire loyal people. You've got to do everything you can to take care of them. But you understand the deck's just stacked against you. When you look at uh, you know, the way conference realignment shifted everything around, I mean, it just it just hurt Southern. Conference USA was at one time, you know, had had big names in it, and now it doesn't. And Southern is sort of you know the the, the team that's that's had the most detriment to them as a, as a result. And you're right. I mean, that's that's a difficult job. It's it's one thing when you're say you're at Miami, right, and you're getting the third pick of athletes from the state of Florida because there's still a ton of good athletes. But when you're picking third behind State and Ole Miss in the state of Mississippi, where there's only you know, in a good year, seven or eight four-star guys in the whole state, I mean, it's tough. It's tough, and you know they've done a great job in football with Hobson, and I think they'll turn it around in basketball. And you mentioned Scott Berry, but that's a hard job. And you know the fact that they they have been winning at the clip they have is is a testament to what they've got going on down there. Uh, to add actual numbers to what I said earlier, so 2017, 2018. Southern Miss in revenue was 125th in Division I athletics. And for perspective, East Tennessee State, who does not play Division I football, is two spots ahead of Southern Miss. And so, as both of you have said, remarkable that they're able to have a a winner that goes to bowl games in football, a baseball program that's constantly in the top 25, top 30 in college baseball, considering the financial uh, obstacle. It's impressive. And look, I, I'm, I'm not speaking for anybody else. And I'm not even speaking for this guy. But my friend, our friend, Scott Barry, he don't want to hear any of this. Now, from a baseball standpoint, it, again, is a little bit different because it's a little more level playing field in baseball because you're only dealing with 11.7 scholarships. He's got a good facility. He's got good fan support, top 20 fan support in the entire country. And there is a long and proven track record of success for baseball at at Southern Mississippi. So it's a little bit different. But if we were talking to Scott right now and we wanted to talk to him about, you know, kind of built in disadvantages, he didn't want to talk about it. And and I think that's the attitude and the mindset that has to be in place. We're we're not going to talk about the reasons that we're maybe inherently held back a little bit. We're just going to overcome those and go win ballgames. And they do that. They had a really impressive do. clip. Absolutely, they do. Um, text message says, hearing Florida State is trying to get Terrell Buckley to come be a defensive backs coach. I mean, nothing would surprise me at this point. I do know that their defensive backs coach they just hired just left to go to Texas A&M. Hmm. Is there usually this many moving parts this late in the process? I don't know. Not that I can remember. This is pretty wild. Yeah. Yeah, seeing the Roach thing earlier, I was like, wait a minute, didn't they just announce he was staying at all? And then, At yeah. the basketball game two days ago. Sure. Saw the court yeah. waving to people. The stat yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean Well, and again, with with late movement, kind of a lot of moving pieces this year. And so but but, but think about Kind of where it's happened. Alabama has a spot that opens up after Bill is it Bill Burris? Is that right? Who for a long time had been on Nick Saban's staff goes to the Giants to be the running backs coach. 
And that spot, I mean, I guess it was a different spot. The Freddie Roach chose not to go to the Giants, but a spot opens up on Alabama's staff. And so, anyway, kind of move all parts moving all over the place. Um, but you, with the late movement that we've had, it's caused a little bit of a ripple effect, right? I mean, you had Mississippi State making a change late. That caused Washington State to have to make a change late. Baylor makes a change late. You're getting some moving parts, and then when coaches have to go and put together new staffs, well, they got to go get guys. So they hire guys that they know. And then guys get poached from one staff to another staff, opening up other spots. So Mike Norvell, who was hired back in December and thought he had a staff put together, he loses somebody to Texas A&M today. And by the way, Texas A&M tried to hire Terrell Buckley. Last week, they thought they had that done. They thought T-Buck was headed to College Station. He ends up agreeing to come work for Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss. But now, Florida State's got an opening. So does he go to his alma mater? Like Freddie Roach did to Alabama, to his alma mater. It would be great if the Cleveland Browns hired Nick Saban because he just had that itch to go back to the (laughs) NFL. (laughs) Didn't they already hire somebody? <laughs> Did they? Got to go down the hall and ask Steven, because I don't know. The Stankovic guy? That's not his name. Stefanski. Stefanski. Stankovic almost feels like it's more fitting for Cleveland. Uh, Kevin Stefanski, is that right? That is correct. What was his background, Rippy? Offensive coordinator for the Minnesota Vikings. Okay. Here we go. Is he going to be the guy that turns things around in Cleveland? He's got a better shot than Freddie Kitchens. Yeah. Does he really, though? I mean, Th- that hire yeah, never made sense, question. though. That never made sense. They had they're, they should have promoted the interim, and I know he's got the bad background and stuff, but... Talking about Greg Williams? Yeah, or Todd Munkin would have been a better option than Freddie Kitchens. They, they passed on two guys that were more qualified and equipped to be the head coach to hire Baker Mayfield's buddy. I think it's all irrelevant. They're not going to overcome the owner. Well, that's that's a good point too. So, what do you, do you think the issue is that Haslam's meddling? No, I think he's a horrible owner. Like ownership, normally, if you're a good owner, your team wins, and if you're a bad owner, your team loses. Like the amount of like because it's because most of them hide in the shadows, other than Jerry Jones. But if you have a bad owner in professional sports, odds are you don't ever win consistently. So, what do you think makes a good owner? Hire smart One people that, and sit up in your box, and that's what you do. Yeah. Hire well and let them do their job. Pay and be silent. So so buy a team because you have billions of dollars, and then go continue to tend to your others other businesses that made you billions of dollars? Yep. And then on Sunday, you bring all of those business partners to your special box, and you drink a few glasses of bourbon, and you watch your football team, and then you go home. And they hand you the trophy. Exactly. And say thank you. Go to the NFL owner meetings. There's a little bit more to it than that, but that's what all the good that's owners do. That's the gist do. of it, though. Yeah. Yeah. Although Robert Kraft has always been pretty involved with the Patriots, hasn't he? I mean, Belichick's the GM. Yeah. Maybe involved in, from the standpoint of, hey, I'm willing to give you what you want. Sports Talk Mississippi. I guess I got to put you down. You love your Zeppelin, don't you, Mort? Yep. 
Sports Talk Mississippi, thanks for being with us on this Monday afternoon. Text line open, 601-879-4395. If you want to join in the conversation, we would love for you to do that. This winter, skip the waiting room and beat cold and flu season with fast uh, faster with C Spire Health. Just download the app and schedule a visit to connect with a trusted UMMC clinician right from your phone. They can treat tons of non-emergency conditions and symptoms like fevers, aches, coughing and sneezing, all over video chat with no insurance required. They can even send needed prescriptions to your local pharmacy. Plus, for a limited time, visits are just $29 if you are a C Spire customer. Learn more at cspirehealth.com. C Spire, customer inspired. What's next for the Tennessee Titans? Rippy, uh, Dean Pease, the uh, defensive coordinator, announced today that he was stepping down, and so Mike Vrabel's got to find a new defensive coordinator. Fourth in two years that he's had to hire. Or fourth coordinator, I guess I should say, in two years. I don't know if it's all on the defensive side. And they were a good defense this year. So how close are the Titans to being legitimately good for an extended period of time? guess it depends on what they do at quarterback and running back because the defense is pretty good and has a lot of young players on it. So I guess figure out what you want to do at quarterback, whether that's in the semi-long term or actual long term, and then figure out whether it's worth it or not to re-sign Derrick Henry. Oh, that answer is yes, though, right? Depends on the amount of money, though, because you can really get hamstrung giving a running back a large contract. Especially one that runs like him. He's just so unique to me. Because the conversation going into the game was, are the Titans going to change the complexion of the league? And the answer, same thing with the Ravens. The answer is no, because unless there's another Lamar Jackson out there, which there's not, um, nobody can do what the Ravens do offensively. Same thing with the Titans. I mean, you're not going to win playoff games throwing the football eight times unless you're able to run the ball with a guy like him and how many six foot three, 245-pound, 4'5", guys are out there. Not that many. Average length of time for an NFL running back, we talked about on Friday, 3.3 years. Derrick Henry just finished his fourth season. He is 25 years old. Rookie year in 2016, he had not a ton of production, right? Um, 627 total yards from scrimmage. They had DeMarco Murray then. 490 on the ground in year two. As a sophomore in the NFL, 744 yards, 880 from scrimmage. Last two years, he's been a 1,000-yard rusher, and this obviously the best year. Uh, last year started 12 of 16 games, 1,059 yards. This year, 303 carries, 1,540 yards. Averaged a career-high 5.1 per carry. Averaged a career-high 102.7 per game. Uh, 1,746 total yards from scrimmage this year. So... Good numbers. He's an elite running back. Four years in the league. So what kind of contract, Rippy, could you get on board with? Mm -hmm. I mean, probably not one as high as Ezekiel Elliott or the couple of the other ones you've seen. I don't know. So he's at the end of his contract, right? Yes. So free agent, restricted free agent? Yeah, I mean, he can walk. Ezekiel Elliott signed a six-year, $90 million contract. I don't know that you want to take Derrick Henry out to 31 years old. 
Yeah, I'm going to say no on that. Todd Gurley did a four-year, $60 million contract, and the Rams won out of that bad. Yeah, they do. I mean, 3, 4, 40, 3, 42, 4, 48, something in there in the $12 million range. Okay. Hey, what do you think? What would you do with Derrick Henry? I mean, it's just such a a, a gamble with a running back, as, and, and especially one like we've been saying that he's going to make his money lowering his shoulder rather than running around people. Um, I would try to find something reasonable. You, you want to try to keep him on your team, but if you overpay, that could go south so, so quickly. You mentioned earlier franchising, throwing the franchise tag on Ryan Tannehill. Cost you twenty seven million, but nothing's long term. No, I understand that's the the value of it. There, would you be better suited to do a three year, forty million dollar contract with Ryan Tannehill, or pay him twenty seven million for one year and then see what happens next season? I'd wait, wait and see. So you think it's worth paying him twenty six million nine or eight hundred ninety five thousand dollars next year to be able to wash your hands clean of it if it completely if it goes south? Yes. Do you pick a quarterback in this draft? Depends. I guess you could. Then if it really goes south, I mean, you could be in the market for uh, the long haired fella next year. Yeah, I guess that's a good point. Um, 2019, this year's contract was about a $7 million deal for Ryan Tannehill. You give him a $20 million bump to tag him? Mm. Horse Talk Mississippi. We'll be right back. Forky, what I miss? Man, I am watching basketball right now here in the studio. Oh, okay. I would say, I. Oh, it, I, Drew Holiday I, just hit this step back through. I mean, just nasty. So you are literally on the other side of the glass, <laughs> and I can't hear. I mean, you could just talk to me all day, and I could see your lips moving, but I couldn't hear a word. And just a second ago, I heard something that sounded like thunder, and it was Borky going, oh, my God. Oh, it was awesome. Okay. Yeah, the uh, Martin Luther King NBA games are today. So they right. had one, I think it started at 1 o'clock, and then we have this one at 4, and then Hey Dad's Lakers are uh, – or the nightcap. Get the Grizz playing right now, right? Yeah, Grizz uh, hosting New Orleans. John Morant, knock on wood, for me, kind of struggling today. Um, but both teams shooting pretty well. So Lakers Celtics tonight. That's going to be a good one. And Lakers yeah. are back at full strength, too. Yeah, AD's playing, yeah. So let's see. In terms of games happening right now, Orlando leads Charlotte. The Knicks are up on Cleveland. Sacramento's beating Miami. Houston over OKC. New Orleans in the second quarter. 64-48 over Memphis, who has won seven straight? Seven in a row. Yeah, they're still a year early, but Memphis, I think they're the best in the league at uh, points in the paint, and that's not just because they have a good big whose last name I can't pronounce. Starts with a V. Um, One of those last names. Can I buy a vowel? Um, I mean, they have Triple J, and then John Morant has been so good at getting to the basket and distributing the ball, so... I mean, they're a playoff team. I think the chances of them getting the seven seed even are actually really high with the way they're playing. And Stephen Adams got hurt in Oklahoma City, so they could drop off. And then Zion comes back on Wednesday. 
Yeah, currently the Grizzlies two games below 500, but occupying the eighth spot in the Western Conference. A couple of games in front of uh, the San Antonio Spurs. Grizzlies have won seven in a row, so they've gone from 13 and 22 to 20 and 22. I don't know if that's sustainable or not, but it's uh, it's certainly fun to watch some of the young teams that are getting better and the amount of enthusiasm and excitement that is coming to New Orleans starting on Wednesday is off the charts. Can you just keep your boy healthy? <sighs> That's a big question. I mean, what's crazy is they actually believe that he tore his meniscus before the final game of the preseason. So the final game of the preseason, he went for 25 and 10 mm-hmm. in like 24 minutes, and they believe it was on a torn meniscus. Okay. So he is a, a physical freak. They actually um, changed the way that he he lands and jumps to try to help the the weight on his knees. He's actually dropped a few pounds as well. Uh, but that's why it's taken so long to get him back okay. is because they were kind of reteaching him how to jump and land without putting so much pressure on his 19-year-old knees at 280 pounds. It's going to be an issue. Oh, yeah. He's got to drop some more weight. There was uh, some kind of lab that tests all the NBA players when they do combine work, Mm -hmm. and there has literally never been a more explosive athlete. The force that he generates when he jumps off the ground is the greatest in basketball history. So he needs to... uh... Drop float, down to float, 260. Float like a butterfly as he comes down <laughs> from that explosive jumping. Yeah, somehow. Sports Talk Mississippi with you Monday afternoon into the 5 o'clock hour. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey. Time right now for the College Football Fix. College Football Fix driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com. Find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford Tough, but it's not just trucks. Everything they build is built Ford Tough. And when you buy a Ford SUV like the Explorer or the Expedition, well, you can drive it like a Ford. Test drive a Ford SUV at your local Mississippi Ford dealer today. Let's talk some recruiting as we are now three, two and a half weeks from National Signing Day, the February edition. Probably a little more conversation on the Ole Miss side of things than on the Mississippi State side of things, at least in total, over the next two and a half weeks, simply because Ole Miss has got more spots to fill. Hey, Dad, I don't think we're going to hear a ton about Mississippi State, although we did get one piece of news with a grad transfer over the weekend. Yeah, uh, the prodigal son, you could call him. Scott Lashley, former uh, four-star <laughs> offensive tackle out of West Point, uh, who committed to Mississippi State for about 26 minutes, as I recall. Mm. Uh, 20, uh, the 2016 class, I think. Uh, grad transfer now, coming to Alabama, coming from Alabama. So he'll, uh, he'll add some, uh, some depth to that, that line. And, and I don't know that you're right about, uh, this recruiting cycle for Mississippi State because the, the rumor mill has, has started working here in Starville that State might try to add seven or eight more guys, which we thought might be two or three. They're going to try to get some more guys on. They're, they're, they're going. I think they're going to go ahead and plan for some attrition in the spring. Hmm. Attrition in terms of guys that are currently on scholarship encouraged to find other, other homes? homes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I believe that's going to be the case. Yeah. Gotcha. I mean, just, you've got you know four or five tight ends on the roster now. Well, what are they going to do? If they can't make a transition to being a receiver, they have to find somewhere they can play football. 
their quarterback in that mix as well. I mean, if they've already I would got traders, if there's not at yeah. least one. Yeah, and especially if you add KJ Costello. Yeah, we'll get into KJ Costello in a second. Let, let's uh, let's press pause on that thought and Rippy talk a little bit about Ole Miss um, Rebels. You know, even if Mississippi State does go the route of seven, eight, even nine, it looks like Ole Miss is going to have a bigger number than that, just because they signed so few in the early signing period. And a commitment came in over the weekend from a running back from South Florida. Yeah, Henry Parrish, a four-star kid, is the second back they have in this class, I believe, along with Kentrell Bullock. Miami kid Kevin Smith obviously knows that area very well. Where he's That is where he's from. And then also got a transfer safety in Otis Reese from Georgia. Four-star kid when he signed with Georgia, primarily a special teams guy the last couple of years. But that was pretty much the news over the weekend. Um, with Otis Reese, not immediately eligible unless Tom Mars gets involved, right? <laughs> that Yes, that is the thought. Explain this to me, though, because he is representing a player that has applied for a waiver. I don't remember his name. doesn't matter, but he is on the NCAA's payroll. Yeah. So how does that work? Still allowed to do it. Is there not a... Is there a conflict of interest? <laughs> of course there is. So maybe that uh, Ole Miss should call him up if he's doing it for somebody else. Well, wouldn't there be a dose of tra- uh, just kind of delicious irony in there? What if he y'all gets had, this kid y- eligible? Y'all had Mars all wrong. He was he was he was just he was just in the hepping business. Yeah. I mean, if he's the guy that helps kids get immediately eligible, What would keep Otis Reese from reaching out to Thomas Mars and say, I'm trying to go to Ole Miss? Is that the point at which Mars goes, you know, actually, I'm working for the NCAA now and I'm not going to be able to help you, son. I'm sorry. Well, what about these? Yeah, but it's it's different. But what? No, no, it's different. Sorry. A lot of conflict of interest in the sports world the past couple of weeks. You think? What are the other examples? Jessica Mendoza. Yeah, somebody on the Mets payroll openly talking about how this guy shouldn't have snitched because it's going to come back to bite the team that she gets paid for. Yeah, yeah. Saw a story yesterday that Jess Mendoza might be not uh, not be back. Try that again. Might not be back on Sunday night baseball. Probably didn't help her cause with those comments over the weekend. But there was already some discussion. Uh, ESPN has an interest in David Cohn. Joining A-Rod. Apparently A-Rod sat in on a Yes Network broadcast with Michael Kay and David Cohn uh, at some point this past season for a few innings, and some ESPN people saw it and really liked the chemistry, and so they've been exploring that possibility. I just kind of I don't feel like I watch Sunday Night Baseball anymore. So I brought this up to you earlier today. I want to see if you actually agree with it. In a roundabout way, I think this Astros cheating scandal is good for baseball. Mm. And here's why I say that. Because even though the local market's baseball does well, the World Series had a record low rating. Nationally, it doesn't move the needle at all. But we spent a full week in January talking about it. And on top of that, baseball has a villain. It has a draw now. I'm a casual sports fan. I don't particularly like Major League Baseball all that much, but now if I'm flipping through the channels in July, just kicking my feet up, and I see the Houston Astros, I'm going to put it on, because I'm going to want them to lose. I think baseball now has a villain, has somebody that people can hate and talk about and pay attention to, and it's the Houston Astros and maybe to a lesser extent the Red Sox, and that is good for a sport that desperately 
needed people to talk about it and to generate interest from a national level. And a villain is very good at generating interest. Isn't it weird that the New York Yankees are not the villain? They're the good guy here. It's like even even Darth <laughs> Vader came full circle, man. A, I, I guess a so. I, I guess so. Yeah, you know, they play the Star Wars theme on opening day every year, like as they um, as they're announcing the rosters for the very first time, first home game of the year. Well, if they're playing the Astros, it's that's really backwards. Yeah. What do you think, though? Do you think it's actually, in a roundabout way, good for the sport? I get what you're saying. Um, I mean, in terms of publicity, people are talking about baseball in mid-January when that's not normally the case. So I guess it's, you know, from a marketing standpoint, do you buy into the idea that any publicity is better than no publicity? I don't know, Borky. I need to think on that a little bit. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. Glad to have you along. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey. Let's um, circle back to a couple of things that didn't make it into the college football fix just a moment ago because we were... Uh, My bad. That's eh, all right. Borky wanted to talk baseball for a second. He had been thinking long and hard about that baseball take. Yeah. And I think it made it to uh, the Sunday morning show yesterday. I tested it yesterday. And he wanted to roll it back out, and he just couldn't wait to get through the college football fix to get to that. It's okay. Oh, and here it is. The Yankees cheat worse than anyone in the bigger scheme of things. They use... Their bottomless purse to buy all the top talent. In my opinion, they are the biggest cheaters of all. Except for the fact that what they do is within the confines of the rules, number one. And number two, if you look at the majority of their roster right now, it's homegrown talent. Aside from those two things, everything you texted us was exactly right, and you should probably not win a prize. Right? Yeah, I, I mean, it, it, that's a conversation anyway. for the summer, but baseball lets it happen, and I don't think they should to this extent, but the Yankees do it all within the rules. The Astros, however, cheaters. At least for now, what we know the Yankees have done it within the rules. Maybe some layers to this thing. We uh, can only talk about what we know. Uh, defensive coordinator front. Hey, Dad, who are the Bulldogs going to hire? Uh I love playing the nothing official yet. The the the, the top guy, the, the the favorite right now is Navy defensive coordinator Brian Newberry. Uh, he was in Starkville over the weekend. He was also down in Key West with Mike Leach during the uh, previous week. Uh, did he, did he take he, a naval naval vessel down? I don't know that there was a destroyer in the in the harbor there or anything of that nature. Uh, interesting guy, you know. Navy uh, in 2018 was 89th in total defense. He came in and in one year got them into up to a uh, 13th. Um, I'm interested to see how he his defense works because quite a difference in what Navy likes to do offensively and what Mike Leach likes to do offensively, and how much does that change how he has a defensive court any defensive coordinator would have to scheme, but specifically with that particular trade off, that's that's a, a heck of a difference. Um, everything I'm I'm reading and I'm reading a lot of it on 24 seven. I'll give them the credit. Uh, says that you know he has the offer in hand, he's just mulling it over, trying to see who he wants to bring with him as far as his staff. 
Uh, but Newberry is the odds-on favor to take that job. So last week we were talking about potentially the defensive coordinator at North Carolina, who mm-hmm. a year ago was at Army, and this week it is the defensive coordinator from Navy. Is there a fascination, or is it just coincidence that talking about, excuse me, talking about guys <laughs> with uh, service? It's just like mid sentence and a burp came out. Chili um, in the middle of this? What's going on? No, there? I don't. I'm sorry. Is it just coincidence that we're talking about multiple service academy guys? I, I think it's mainly coincidence. But go back to to John Cohen's comments at the press conference. When Moorhead was uh, when they announced Moorhead had been fired, and they talked about discipline, I don't think it's a, it's a I don't think it's too much of a coincidence that they're looking at some of these guys from the service academies to hold off the defense because I mean that's where I think the discipline a lot of the disciplinary issues lied. I mean I, I think that this team needs a little bit of a you know I hate to say reality check, but I think that's what's coming for them. You know I think that the the players sort of had a little bit more control than they should have under Joe Moorhead. And that's going to be wrested away from them when uh, spring practice starts up. Have you heard much about Leech Beach yet? I've heard a little bit about Leech Beach and 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 what it is and 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 how he uses it, uses it as a disciplinary tool. Everybody's and, got a sand pit though, don't they? I think most everybody does. I thought I remember Mississippi State having one when Jackie Sherrill was the coach. Yeah, like going been. way back to the days when Mike Grant was the defense or was the yeah. strength and conditioning coach. Yeah, exactly. The old Iron Dogs. Um, and but apparently it's about to make a return uh, mm-hmm. here at Mississippi State. So is there one out there now, or is there going to have to like uh, be a little con- have, construction? I think work? they're going to have to. I think they're going to have to dig one. Hmm. So what is this? Leech Beach. What he never heard sand, of Beach is it's sand his pit. sand pit. And the one thing I read was that if teammates like to fight in practice, he'll put them in the sand pit with a uh, a pop up tackling dummy, and you have to fight thirty minute rounds with that dummy or thirty one minute rounds with that dummy. So you just punch said, the dummy for the half hour, and it just keeps coming back up. And he said, "No, he said no one's made it past twelve rounds, where they just say I, I can't." Oh man, have you ever tried to box? Yeah, no, it's exhausting, no. exhausting. That's why people do it as cardio. Yeah, yeah. You ever try that, Rippy? Your workout regimen? Get into the boxing ring a little bit? Never once. I think I had some toy boxing gloves as a kid. Yeah. Did you beat your brothers up? Yeah, more or less. <laughs> more or less. Uh, we, we talked about a couple of commitments from over the weekend with Ole Miss. What about in terms of just visitors and who was in and out? Is there anything of note, or is that one of those you probably just need to go log into a recruiting site? It's about all I got from the weekend. Okay. So a couple of signees. Borky, you read some more? Yeah, they had this uh, five-star running back in town. Zach Evans, and he's fascinating because signed with Georgia, was let out of his letter of intent, but Georgia's still recruiting him, and a couple of schools have um, more or less decided to to go other directions. There are some some red flags, but uh, he is absolutely a five-star talent, and I mean, Ole Miss has a good chance at signing him, but I think they have to also decide whether or not they they want to, if they want yeah. to take on the, the so, issues or not. It sounds like that there are some issues related to discipline at the high school level, maybe a run-in with the high school principal and a run-in with his head yeah. coach and a cell phone on the sideline. I don't know all the details of that. Um, 
And then there's also an academic piece as well where all of the work academically is not yet done to qualify. Right. Texas A&M sounds like he's still recruiting him. Yeah. And it, I mean, it certainly, he's, they got to decide whether or not he's worth the headache. But man, if you watch, and it's high school film, but if you see it, if you can get it, a guy like him on your roster, I mean, it's got to be really bad for you to, to turn the opportunity to sign a talent like that away. And also, Jadavion Clowney's cousin, whose name is Demon, uh, a defensive end, yeah. was in town this weekend as well. It's probably Demond, but we'll go with Demon because yeah, like it sounds cooler. It's just kind of like, you know what, until somebody corrects us or tells us otherwise, we'll just go with Demon because, you know, why not? Um, so, yeah. Jadavion Clowney, who played at South Carolina. Demon Clowney, potentially going to Ole Miss. Lots of folks would probably like to have his services Speaking of South Carolina, that's who the Mississippi State Lady Bulldogs will play tonight, a top 10 matchup. Hey, Dad, and what has become a, a bit of a rivalry between these two programs? Not a lot oh, of God, love loss, is there? I hope there's no South Carolina women's basketball fans listening. They'll, they'll immediately flood the text line and tell us how it's not a rivalry. Uh, yeah. Do what? It, it, is, is that a thing? It, yeah, that is a thing. Uh, What's the reason for it? Of course it is, right? Because South Carolina basketball, women's basketball fans are some of the most insecure fans on the face of the earth. It's I, I know you, you're going to be you're going to vouch for me on this, Borky, but they they just they 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 don't they don't like you. You know the whole talking about the Knowles thing from from Twitter. From you talk about Florida State and immediately you get a bunch of Florida State fans. It's the same thing with South Carolina women's basketball. If you mention them, they will show up, and uh, I think a lot of it stems from the fact that. A lot of people outside the South are just casual fans. When you ask them who won the national championship in 2017, they would say Mississippi State because... Because they beat UConn? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Nobody remembers that South Carolina actually won the national title that year. Mm. The moment of that tournament was State beating UConn, and I think there's a, there's there's just an insecurity about them. But that said, get all that out of the way. Uh, big game tonight for Vic Schaefer. It's going to be a very tough matchup. This is a very good South Carolina team, evidenced by the fact they're number one in the nation. Uh, State's coming off a game against LSU where they were up 20, and then it just sort of got away from them, and they ended up having to, to really scrape to get a four-point win uh, over the Tigers on Thursday. Uh, if if they can, you know, keep Jessica Carter out of foul trouble, if they can, uh, you know, hit, get some shots from behind the uh, three-point line from Bibby and then uh, from Howard, they have a, a shot out there. But I, I think this is going to be a game South Carolina probably gets the win. South Carolina 17 and 1, they are undefeated in league play at 5 and 0 and currently ranked number 1 in the country. Mississippi State checking in at number 9, they are 16 and 2 on the year, 4 and 0 in the Southeastern Conference. Game is in Columbia, South Carolina. Tips off in 30 minutes. It is on ESPN 2. Formerly the Deuce. They got away from that branding. Remember that way back in, oh, yeah. way back yeah. when the Deuce? Yeah. yeah. It's just ESPN too. Sports Talk Mississippi. Take a quick time out. <laughs>
text line 601-879-4395. Experience healthcare on call with the C Spire Health app. Skip the waiting room and get treated by a UMMC clinician right from your phone from anywhere in Mississippi. Plus, for a limited time, visits just $29 for C Spire customers. With C Spire Health, it's easy to get quality care for colds, the flu, earaches, nausea, sore throats, and other minor non-emergency medical conditions. Learn more at cspirehealth.com and get well sooner. C Spire customer inspired. Jeff says, I'll be pulling for Mississippi State women's basketball tonight. I cannot stand the South Carolina women's coach. Don Staley? Okay. Would Hugh Freeze have signed a demon if he was still at Ole Miss? That's from Daniel and Tupelo. We got a rim <laughs> shot? Where, where's, where, where's Paul Gallo's little sound effects thing? Surely I've got a rim shot. There you go. Oh, hey Uh So did you see the latest breaking news? Arkansas has their quarterback for 2020, Felipe Franks. You would think as a graduate transfer you wouldn't go to a complete rebuilding project, but he will start there. Hmm. Felipe Franks is going to Arkansas. It does absolutely nothing for me. Zero. I don't get it. Like, does it? it if Rip, you had an idea, you're a smart guy. Hey, that even says you've got a, a a doctorate. Help it make help us make this make sense. Because Borky, Haydad, and I all said, I don't know. Well, I guess what he does have two years left. Does he? Well, how early did he get hurt? Third game of the season? Wouldn't that qualify mm, that's for... That's a good point. That's a good point. So you have two years left. You don't have to compete for the starting job. It's an SEC school. Okay. I don't know. Borky? You are headed down some road. I think I interrupted you. That's all right. Um, your thoughts on Arkansas going into 2020. Does this addition change the way you think they're going to be, the way they're going to compete at all this year? Adding Felipe Franks, everything be else than, being the same. It'll be better than anyone they've had playing quarterback for them in the last couple of years. Well, that kid from Batesville showed a lot of promise as a freshman. They just didn't play him enough, which was bizarre. KJ Jefferson. Yeah. I I thought Felipe Franks showed pretty good progress under Dan Mullen. Isn't that the caveat though? A lot of guys look good under Dan Mullen well, that yeah, but I mean, otherwise. Did, does, does he take that progress with him? I and mean, did did he become a better quarterback as a sophomore and as a junior than he was as a freshman because of working with Dan Mullen and do you immediately regress to what you were? Or do you carry those skills with you? I mean, if you're Arkansas, you would hope you carry those skills with you. I want to know what Arkansas's offense is going to look like, though. I mean, Kendall Bryles is calling the plays. Are we about to go 2015 Baylor in terms of what Arkansas's offense looks like? You guys remember what that looked like, don't you? I mean, it was pitched all over the ball yard. Now, they, they ran the ball, too, fairly effectively, but it was fast and it was throw it. It was very much cliche time basketball on grass. Is that what they're going to try and do at Arkansas? 
Can they? Yeah, the best player on offense is a running back. Yeah. Well, again, I mean, running was part of that offense. You go back and look at the, the rushing numbers for Baylor in its heyday. Although, I mean, obviously, Baylor kind of returning to significance, but I'm talking about under Art Bryles. I mean, just set all the other stuff aside for a second. I mean, don't, don't do the, oh, but Art Bryles. Just purely the offense. Um, They put up good rushing numbers. But they would throw it to, looking for one-on-one matchups all over the place, throw it up, let them guys go get it. They got anybody that can catch it? I mean, in some ways, hey, Dad, isn't it a comparable question with regard to Mike Leach's offense at Mississippi State? Absolutely. Although, although Leach's offense is even more geared toward the pass. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's not a question of who's going to throw it. It's, it's definitely more of a question here at Mississippi State of who's going to catch it. You know, you're, you're looking at a bunch of guys who last year the leading receiver had 430 yards, and like I said on uh, like a week ago, uh, the seventh or eighth leading receiver for Leach in Washington State had 430 yards. So somebody who's on this roster right now that you would never imagine is going to catch 60, 70 passes and be close to 800, 900 yards, maybe over 1,000. Does Felipe Franks make Arkansas better? Can't make them worse, right? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, yeah. Possibly, because you mentioned he's the would be the best quarterback on their current roster, and so when you upgrade at the most important position, presumably you get better. Uh, sorry, I was looking for Felipe Frank's stats. He was very ho-hum as a freshman big kid, 6'6", 227. Threw for five touchdowns, th- picked off three times early this year. 2017, his freshman season, threw for 1,438 yards last year. Completed 58% for nearly 2,500 yards with 24 TDs and six picks. It was early this year, but through three games, he was completing 76% of his passes. So, against Miami, two touchdowns, two picks. Against UT Martin, eh, two touchdowns. Against Kentucky, one touchdown, one pick, and got hurt in that game. And then Kyle Trask came on. And Kyle Trask is going to be the starter next year at Florida, right? Yeah. I mean, unless Emory Jones does something miraculous in the offseason, but I mean, I think I think Dan Mullen really liked what he got from Kyle Trask. And it, that, that seemed to be a relationship that had a really nice mesh point between those two. Hmm. And then Kyle Trask's uh, the reason he hadn't started a game since he was a sophomore in high school is uh, going to cross-state rival Miami, Derek King. That is true. From the very beginning, I mean, we, we were not... This was not an island of one. But you remember the fishiness of Houston played four games and now Derek King's going to redshirt. And all yeah. the stuff that Houston told us about, yeah, but it's it's just about development for the future. Like, yeah, okay. We'll wait and see on that. What a weird situation in hindsight. Because we all knew what was happening anyway. But, I mean, Dana Holgerson telling his team, I'm giving up on this season. I mean, that's a terrible look just to have the guy leave on top of that. Yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, you can't make a guy play if he no. wasn't going to play. But if that was always the case, why don't you? I mean, just say as much. He's left our program, no longer with the team. Do you think that Holgerson was convinced that this wasn't going to happen? I mean, the kid's dad was saying it was going to happen from day one. Exactly. So whose idea do you think it was? Do you think De'Eric King and his dad came to Dana Holgerson and said, this is what we're going to do, and Holgerson convinced them, well, let's say this is it? Well, he I mean, wasn't the he only thought... one to sit, though, right? Yeah. Maybe yep. he thought he could win him back. Maybe he thought that, you know, let him sit the year out, and we'll talk about it at the end of the season, and maybe we can get things going in the right direction again, but it just didn't work out that way. I mean, yeah. It's possible, but in all likelihood, it seems like, yes, the University of Houston basically put up a cover story for something that anybody with any common sense could tell was going to happen. Sure. Why would Eric King go to Houston? I mean, go to Miami. I mean, we can say, why would Felipe Franks go to go to Arkansas? And that's a relevant question. Well, because options because Miami probably. didn't want him. Yeah. Because LSU didn't want him. But De'Eric King is considered to be one of the best and most athletic quarterbacks in the country. Really good passer. Highly thought of. Could have gone to LSU. Probably, probably could have gone to LSU. Or Oklahoma. Mike could have gone to Oklahoma. Probably could have gone to Mississippi State to play for Mike Leach. Could have potentially kicked the tires at a place like Ole Miss. And I don't know that it fits there necessarily. But there were better options than but why, Miami. Why, why would, Miami's not winning the ACC. They're not going to the playoff. They could be the next two and done as far as coaches go. Who? Oh, Manny Diaz. You think Manny Diaz? Oh, they are not happy with how year one went. Yeah. Which is not fair, but it's the reality. Can't play the mayor card very much longer, can you? No. You know what card I'd like to play? I'd like to play my credit card at (laughs) Joe's tonight. Get some stone crabs. If you guys ever go to Miami, oh, stone crab. The Lionese. Key lime pie. Whoo! Take me now!
Super Talk Mississippi media production.